Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. Now I reckon if you listen to the financial and economic commentary lately, you would have been forgiven for thinking that it's inevitable Australia's going to plunge into a recession next year. There's been lots of talk of a dire, grim, bleak, perilous and confronting outlook, including sometimes from those in government. Of course, the problems are well known. High inflation, particularly high and still rising energy prices. This seemed to be a big feature of the latest budget with talk of a 56% rise in electricity prices, including what's already underway at present. Central banks aggressively raising interest rates, a high risk of recession globally, obviously the war in Ukraine, along with other geopolitical risks and also the downturn in China. So, of course, it's understandable that people are feeling rather gloomy about things. Now, there's no doubt that returning inflation to the 2 to 3% target is of utmost importance. If you look at the 1970s experience, as we explained in our podcast earlier this year, uh, not doing so would lead to fairly dire consequences longer term, worse economic conditions and a pretty rough time continuing in investment markets. And that was the key message of the 1970s when you let inflation get out of control. And of course, it's also the case that the surge in inflation is far more than just a supply problem. It's not just due to the war in Ukraine. It's not just due to the distortions caused by the pandemic or the floods. There's also an element of very strong demand relative to the ability of the economy to meet that demand in the Australian economy and that's a feature of other economies as well. If you look at things like capacity utilisation or the unemployment rate, they're telling us that there's not a lot of spare capacity around. In fact, when you look at a measure of the job gap, jobs gap in Australia, which looks at the level of labour demand as defined by employment plus job vacancies, less labour supply, all as a percentage of the labour force, you end up with a situation where the jobs gap is close to zero and it's never been that tight in the labour market at least in the last 40 odd years. So there's no doubt that we need to bring the economy back more into line with supply. And that I think is necessary to get inflation back down. Hence the Reserve Bank and other central banks have been raising interest rates. Of course, the most vulnerable sector in the Aussie economy is that is the household sector because of high household debt levels and the double whammy that's coming from falling real wages. So consumer spending is almost certain to slow quite substantially over the course of the next year. In fact, we learnt that through the month or this month, the consumer confidence figures as provided by Westpac and Melbourne Institute via a survey show that consumer confidence is at its lowest since the early days of the pandemic. And of course, RBA Governor Philip Lowe has noted on several occasions that we are travelling along a narrow path here in terms of being able to return inflation to target and avoid a recession at the same time. However, I don't think it's inevitable that Australia will slide into a recession. In fact, assuming there is no further significant flare-up in geopolitical problems, such as a war over Taiwan, which would certainly be a horrible situation, what I'm going to talk about today is seven reasons why Australia should be able to avoid a recession. Now, the first reason... We have a situation in Australia where the business investment outlook is actually quite bright. It's reasonably solid. If you look at the business surveys undertaken by the ABS and also some of the private sector surveys, they're pointing to reasonably solid business investment spending over the course of the next year. In fact, the ABS survey 
20.5% up on where it was this time a year ago. Now, part of that is, of course, inflation, the higher cost of investing has inflated that. But even if you allow for that, you're probably looking at business investment growth over the next year or so of around 5% per annum. So that's the first reason. CapEx situation is quite strong, and that's about 15 to 20% of the economy. The next situation is that there is a strong pipeline of home building work. If you go back through the pandemic, we know there was the home builder incentive that along with a bunch of other things, low interest rates led to a situation where building approvals in Australia surged from around 45, 47,000 a quarter up to around 65,000 a quarter. In other words, it was about 20,000 extra added on to home building approvals. But dwelling completions have barely budged. They've been stuck for the last two, two and a half years around the 45,000 to 50,000 level per quarter. In other words, we haven't seen the pickup in housing construction that you'd normally expect given the pickup in approvals. There's a lot of approvals that are out there, but the work is yet to be completed, let alone started. A whole bunch of reasons for that. Um, slowing down the property construction cycle, labor shortages, material shortages, and also bad weather. But the point is that there's a big pipeline of work yet to be completed and builders will eventually get through that work, but it will cushion the downturn we're likely to see in the property market, property construction market. Reason number three, high energy prices are boosting national income. Now this is a key point. Yes, Australians are copying it in the neck, as a result of high energy prices, massive rise in electricity bills, gas bills, and so on. That's all well known. But Australia is also a beneficiary of this. A lot of that gas being supplied globally and the coal is coming from Australia. And Australian companies benefit from that. They pay the taxes, they go to Canberra. And of course, that is resulting in a lower budget deficit than we had been projecting. In fact, quite substantially lower. That's providing in turn more flexibility for the Australian government in the years ahead to provide some support for the economy if really needed. Fourth point, this is critically important. If you go back to the Asian crisis of the late 1990s, the tech wreck, the GFC, you can even argue the pandemic if you want, all of those occasions saw a huge shock to demand or major trading partners and the Aussie dollar fell quite sharply. Now, one of the reasons we we're able to avoid a recession at least in the first three, the pandemic was always a bit different because it was a mandated shutdown, which wasn't quite the same as a normal recession. But in the first three, the Asian crisis, the tech wreck and the GFC, one of the reasons we avoided recession was because the Aussie dollar fell. The point being here that if global conditions really collapse and commodity prices plunge, don't forget if commodity prices plunge, that can take pressure off inflation. But the thing that would happen if that occurred is the Aussie dollar would go down and that would provide a boost to our exporters, a competitive boost as it did in those previous crises, helping us probably, hopefully avoid a recession. Now, of course, a counter argument to all of this is that, well, maybe China will rebound next year because it's going to ease its COVID zero policies. And there are some indications of that coming out of China, although they're saying they're not going to do that yet. There are some indications that suggest they may be heading in that direction. Now, if that's the case, it could result in a strong rebound in Chinese growth next year, which benefits global growth, hence helps the Aussie economy, and it won't be much of an issue or as much of an issue. But anyway, the fourth point is that if things do really fall apart globally, then the Aussie dollar will fall and that will help the Australian economy. The fifth point is that immigration is rebounding rapidly. This is critically important. As we went through the pandemic, immigration went backwards. We were losing more people than we were gaining each year. Now we're seeing a rapid rebound. Visa applications are being processed more quickly as the staff have been reallocated back to the visa processing team away from health or wherever they, they went to through the pandemic. And that, of course, is showing up in stronger net immigration figures. And it looks like 
from this year onwards, we're going to have immigration levels back to where they were prior to the pandemic. Now, of course, this is critically important because the main reason we've got labour shortages in Australia is the lack of immigrants. It's not because Australians aren't working. In fact, the participation rate, the rate at which Australians participate in the labour force is at around a record high. Not the same in the US. It's not at a record high in the US. It's below where it was prior to the pandemic. We don't have that problem in Australia. What the issue has been in Australia has been a lack of immigrants. And that, of course, has led to shortages, which, of course, has put some pressure on wages growth in some sectors. Now, the sixth point I think is critically, critically important. It's all very well to say, well, the Aussie economy is going to be resilient because of all these reasons, the big pipeline of home building work, uh, solid business investment outlook and so on. But that may just mean the Reserve Bank will actually have to raise interest rates by more than otherwise would have been the case to slow demand enough to get inflation back down. In other words, all the things I've just been through, you could argue are necessary to help avoid recession in Australia, but they're not sufficient on their own. So this brings us to inflation. And here there are some reasons for optimism that the RBA won't have to raise rates too much further. And certainly, or hopefully not, to the 4% plus level that the money market and some economists are talking about, because I think if we do go to that level, we probably almost certainly will go into recession. Now, there's a bunch of reasons here just worth quickly mentioning. Firstly, wages growth in Australia, it's picking up, but it's way below what it is in the US and some other countries. Now, that's, some would say, well, that's not so good because workers are combing it in the neck from falling real wages. On the other hand, if we get wages growth up around 6 7%, then that's going to make it a lot harder to ever get inflation back down again without going into recession. Secondly, at least our energy prices have not been doubling or more, unlike in Europe. Yes, they're going up horribly, they're going up massively, um, but we're not seeing quite the quantum of increases we're seeing in some other countries, which means the inflationary impact is not quite as great. Thirdly, longer-term inflation expectations are still consistent with the inflation target. Very different to the situation in the 1980s when inflation had become a lot more entrenched and therefore it was a lot harder to get it back down. Fourthly, you could argue... The Australian labour market is very tight, but as I pointed out earlier, it's partly due or mainly due to a lack of immigrants. As they return, the situation will start to improve. You could also argue that Australia may get some benefit from the simultaneous monetary tightening by central banks around the world. That risks a sharper slowing in global growth than would have been the case if those central banks were just moving on their own. And of course, if global growth does show, slow sharply, that takes pressure off inflation, which probably means the RBA won't need to raise rates as much of it otherwise would have had to do if it was just acting on its own. And finally, if you look at upstream price pressures in the US, they are showing signs of starting to roll over, although there's still a way to go yet. But the point is that Australian inflation is following the US by about six months. So if the US starts to roll over, then Australia will as well. So there's a bunch of reasons why inflation may, as we go through next year, not be as big a problem as many are fearing. And hence, the Reserve Bank may not have to raise rates as aggressively as some are fearing. Final point in all of this as to why I think we should be able to avoid a recession is that the Reserve Bank has moved into the slow lane. Now, I think in motoring parlance, it was right for the RBA to accelerate rapidly earlier this year when it was clear that inflation was getting out of control. They had to accelerate on the rate hikes and do it quickly, but they've done that now. And I think the bigger risk was increasingly becoming was that they remained too fast. And we all know, again, in motoring parlance, that uh, speeding kills. In other words, if you kept, kept raising rates at those very high levels, then the danger is that we would have an accident. So I think it makes sense for the Reserve Bank to have slowed down and move across to the slow lane. Doesn't mean they're not going to get rates up. They have been doing that, but they're taking it at a more cautious pace, which runs a lower risk of having a financial or economic accident. So putting all these things together, I think there is good reason as to why Australia should be able to avoid a recession. Doesn't mean that we will. I think we will. 
um, but I'd have to say there is a 40% chance of going into recession, but it's not, it's not above 50%. There's a 60% chance we will avoid a recession, and those seven reasons are the reasons why I think that is the case. Now, some of you may wonder, well, how come he hasn't mentioned the fact that the jobs market is so strong? Surely that is a reason why we're not going to go into a recession. Well, the problem is the jobs market is a lagging indicator. Prior to the early 1990s recession, the jobs market was ultra strong didn't stop us going to recession. Some might also argue, well, surely households have huge buffers, financial buffers built up through the pandemic, paying down their mortgages faster than otherwise, savings buffers and so on that will protect them. That's true. But many households don't have that and aren't as protected. So I don't want to rely on that household buffer story either. But the key point is that there are enough other reasons why, although economic growth is likely to slow sharply from 3% this year, to around 1.5% next year, we should be able to avoid a recession. Fingers crossed, of course. Anyway, I hope that was of value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver in the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform. That way, you'll never miss an episode. All topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.